0: Hi everyone, welcome to Hubshots episode seventy-seven. We talk about HubSpot social tools, AI-powered marketing, and real-time Google trends. This is the podcast for marketing managers who are either considering using HubSpot or are using HubSpot. And my name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Founder. With me is my co-host Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. Hi, Craig.
1: I'm really well. And episode seventy-seven, so there must be something significant about seventy-seven, right?
0: There is, but uh, let's not go into that. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Let's say whatever I came up with before we started recording this, it ain't significant enough to talk about.
1: You can go and do a Google search uh, of your own uh, listeners about that. And speaking of Google search.
0: Yes. In our inbound thought of the week, the search opportunity is, and this is taken from the Moz article we were talking about last week, which is the state of search and behavior revealed. And this is number six. It says, what percentage of clicks on Google search result go to maps slash local listings. And so what we find here, this is not measuring searches and clicks that start directly from maps.google.com or from the Google Maps app on a mobile device. We're talking only about the google.com searches that result in a click to Google Maps. The number is 0.9% of Google search clicks. So just under one in a hundred. We know from the Mozcast and local packs that show up around 15% of queries are actually this search result. So from thinking about this action to take, go to your Google business listing, make sure you actually have all your listings there, which will show up on the map as well, and make sure you're getting reviews on those pages that are related to your business. And if you have multiple business locations, make sure each one of those locations is represented in that business listing.
1: Yeah, I think this is really important. And I always like it when data... Like this shows user behaviour and can yes. give you a definite action item, which you've said. So, one percent of searches end up in a, a map or a local listing click. Like that's, it sounds small—one in a hundred—but out of you know potentially millions of searches in your local area. Of Correct. course, billions globally, but in your local area, potentially millions having one in 100 of those potentially click through to one of your listings is very important. Yes. So your point, yeah, up, update or ensure that you first claimed your Google business listing, which sounds obvious, but many businesses don't, so a reminder to do that. If you're a marketing manager, check out whether you've got your Google business listing in order.
0: All right, Craig, on to HubSpot marketing feature of the week. Yeah, well, a
1: couple of weeks ago, we are talking about, I forget how we got onto it, but we said we must talk about the HubSpot social tools. And so, yeah, we thought we'd just dive into one little part of that this week. And this is just about notifications, social monitoring. Uh, And so what this means is based on if there's mentions of your brand or your handle on Twitter, you can actually get an instant email notification about this. Uh, So just a very small little feature. And we've got some screenshots that walk you through how to do that. And I think it's really worth doing because you might not be on Twitter all day searching for your brand mention. But if you get an email about it and possibly that's um, sent to someone else in your team, they can jump onto Twitter, reply or retweet or just engage with that brand mentions obviously very um, high intent and uh, even more so if it's someone having a whinge about something or a rant, may as well get on there and address it straight away.
0: There is something else you can do, Craig, is you can monitor customers of yours. So you can basically load a whole list that you can monitor in the social tool to see what they're saying about different topics and... Ideas.
1: Yeah, excellent point. I've even seen people look at this and say, "Oh, we monitor our competitors' brand mentions. So whenever they're mentioned, we might jump on and respond." And you know that whole idea of hijacking a thread around a competitor. So lots of um, lots of ideas that you can use there. Yeah. So one little uh, idea on social tools there. Worth mentioning also that they're putting a bit more focus on the social tools now. HubSpot.
0: Yes. So I think in the coming weeks or months, hopefully in the coming weeks we will get to see the new social tool. And this is really based around the social composer tool and the settings tool. So I'm actually looking forward to trying that out. Yeah, me too. And so Marcus Andrews, if you're listening, (laughs) we would love to try it out.
1: Yes, uh, because, and why do we mention Marcus? He's the product manager. He was, yeah, in that little video explaining, yeah. And also there's a bunch of social tools in there. I I think this is a little bit of a hidden gem within HubSpot that people don't actually realize some of the reporting available on the social tools, especially monitoring and then across channels. So I've just included one screenshot there of an example of um, some social reporting just on channels that are driving traffic and a graph and things like that so worth digging into it's actually a nice part of HubSpot and as part of you know having this one of the one of the main benefits of HubSpot that we always talk about is having that integrated suite of tools and so social is part of it and it uh, informs other areas as well you track your social interaction with campaigns and all all back to overall
0: goals yes excellent Onto our HubSpot sales feature of the week, Craig, and this is to do with email scheduling. In the sales tool, you can actually schedule emails to send at times your leads and customers will actually interact with your emails. Now, I liken this similar to Boomerang for Gmail, if you've used that, and I I was using that prior to moving over to the HubSpot sales tool. And it's great for getting through a lot of responses and not bombarding people, so especially if I'm doing work really early or really late, I actually schedule things to go the following morning or later on during the day so that I get into the in front of customers when I want to get in front. So there's a, there's two basic default options, which says tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, and then a custom time and date. And obviously, you choose your time zone and set the time. So what, what's good about this is if you set your time zone differently, say you communicate with somebody in a different country, it's actually probably a good way to get in front of them at the right time as opposed to just clicking, I'll send that now. And it ends up at 3 a.m. in their mailbox and they've got got no idea. So there's another way to use that. Yeah, good point. Really good feature. All right. Now, last week we had an update from Sequences, Craig. And we started a little test (laughs) between you and me. And because we do email each other quite often, after I said the first one, nothing happened. And then I kind of tracked back to find out what was going on. And it looks like even though it was not related to that thread or that sequence that, that I started with you, the fact that I had been communicating with you with other emails backwards and forwards and you didn't even open my first one, which should have triggered kept triggering the sequence, nothing happened. It actually exited you out of that sequence and then you never heard from me again. So just be aware that this will happen. So even though I'm testing it with you or with someone I know, If any email interaction takes place between the two of you, the sequence will end.
1: As a default behavior, I actually think this is the right choice. They made the right choice there. But it would be nice that when you set up a sequence, you could have an option. You say, stop the sequence if they reply to this sequence email or stop the sequence if they reply to any any email from me. And I guess the other one which we see upvoted in Ideas um, HubSpot, hubspot quite often is if they get an automatic out-of-office reply, yes. don't count that as a reply that drops out of the sequence. But, yeah, look, I, I, think it's a, I think it's probably the right decision at this point before it gets too complex with all these options. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's getting more sophisticated and better. It's, by the way, sequences, I don't know if I remember this incorrectly, but... I thought it used to be limited to five actions where they've removed that limit now. Or have I just misremembered that?
0: No, there is a limit still.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. When
0: I was setting it up last week, there was only a certain limit I could get to. Oh, okay. I don't know. I can't remember off the top of my head whether it's five, but... No, it's definitely more than five now. Yeah. I'm sure. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I remember I couldn't actually add any more in the sequencing list when I was sending it off to you. Oh, right. So there was a limit. Yeah. Okay, cool. There is. All right. On to our... Sydney Hug Reminder. So this is the HubSpot user group, which is going to be in Sydney on the 30th of March. So in 10 days time, that's where we will be at the HubSpot user group. So if you're listening to this podcast this week and you're in Sydney and you haven't registered, you need to get in on register and be there.
1: Yeah, it's going to be really good. They're going to have a different format. It'd be interesting to see how this goes. I think well, I've forgotten what he's called. It, but it's going to be like kind of a rapid fire like there'll be different sessions then yes. go to one table then they i don't know ring a bell or something yeah i'm okay. actually
0: keen to see how this is going to work
1: yeah i think we've got i'm assuming he's going to have them in different rooms or something so there's not all five going on at once <laughs> in one room or something like that but i quite like this rapid fire kind of oh yeah we'll sit in this yeah. and so the advantage for people coming is you might you get exposure to a lot of things that's my reading of it yes it would be interesting to see how chris um uh, organizes that yeah looking forward to it it's going to be good
0: all right, Craig, on to our opinion of the week. And I think this is really interesting. The switch to artificial intelligence powered search engine marketing campaign management. And I thought this was fascinating reading it. So this is from campaignlive.co.uk. And it's talking about an agency that replaced their... It's a brand that replaced an agency with this AI tool to do the marketing and the results that they got from it, yeah,
1: which it's is fascinating. It's great reading. Um, and thanks to Adam uh, for uh, oh, so alerting. Yeah, he alerted me to this. Sent me this. He's, Thank what you, do Adam. you think of this? And uh, I had a look at it, and then in the further reading section of the show notes, we've actually got links off to so, this, to the hey, actual company that does, does it.
0: Does this mean that you don't have a job anymore?
1: Well, <laughs> I think what it's really good is it's it's means we can replace the stuff that we're not as good as machines with with yes. machines and. Interesting, when you read the article, I'll just explain to listeners what happened. They, they use this service, I think it's called Albert, and it's kind of this automated bot that looks at your SEM campaigns across AdWords, Facebook, whatever, yeah, and manages them and optimizes them on the fly. And that's machine learning at its best. It learns what's working, pattern matching, all that kind of stuff. What's interesting about it, though, is all the creative and initial ideas, they still needed to get that from the brand or from the agency that sets it up. So... I, and the reason this is an opinion a week, of the week is because agencies and marketing managers, for that matter, really need to be thinking about that creative side of. That's where that's what humans are really good at. That creative side, that strategizing, that kind of piece, and all the implementation and learning and iteration, and I'll copy this and do this version, all of that. Let the machines do that. And we kind of talk about that—that's in the future. It's coming. It's here, now. it's here, and it can't come soon enough. And so we've—we've we've already signed up for the demo. I—I <laughs> I, I would love to yes. use that and offer it as part of our agency. Yes, where we kind of say, "Oh, do you, do, can we get good
0: SEM results?" I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. In yeah. fact, you can't get fantastic beat it. results. You can't beat yeah. it. Yeah. So one thing that was highlighted from this article that kind of stood out to me. Obviously, you've highlighted that creative still has to be supplied by the customer or by. Us in in essence, one thing that it worked out that in that creative, it said that things in this particular test, where it was a, whatever the brand was that they were testing, that the images that had people in them actually performed fifty percent better than images that didn't have people in them. Which which again was really fascinating because obviously, it's understanding what's in that image when it's actually doing the testing of the advertising that's working
1: and yeah. what's not working. And in some ways, the machine doesn't even have to know it's an image, although they're smart enough to do that now. But yeah. it instantly sees that. And I know in Facebook, for example, it, it'll often optimize with its own machine learning. Yeah, right. But one of the advantages of this tool is it kind of was cross-channel. So you get that learning or learnings, <laughs> if I say it.
0: And feed it across.
1: And you feed it across to other channels. Yeah, you say, oh, this worked for this audience. Uh, this type of ad will yeah. immediately apply that test into another channel or another yeah. platform. I think that's like that's hard work. That's kind of grunt work mm. that you and I have had to do in Correct. you know in prior years. We kind yes. of oh, I've noticed this. Right, I'll take it over. Yeah, machines just do that for you.
0: Yeah. All right, onto our creative top ten of the week, Craig. And this is my challenge to you. It's an IT support company, a progressive IT support company, should I say? I'd like you to come up with ten ways to convert the visitors on their website.
1: Yeah, right. And we haven't included, we have not included a link to this particular company in the show notes, but you you did actually share that with me. So I did have a look at their website. Okay. So I will mention some of the things they do already do well. And so this wasn't about driving traffic to the site or anything like that. This was someone's on the site. How can we convert them? And for listeners, I'll just say that one of the really good things they did have was right on the homepage is a calculator to get a quote. And you just plugged in, oh, I've got this many computers, this many servers, blah, blah, blah. Yes. And it gave you a quote, which I thought was really nice. However, here's my 10 items, just flexing our creative muscles. I said, right, we need to look at the journey. And so how do we get them from stage to stage, from awareness to consideration to decision? Because that quote, that little calculator on the homepage is very much a, a decision, decision, bottom of the yeah. funnel kind of thing. So that was my first point was about understanding the journey. And then two was, well, let's uh, let's look at some of the top of the funnel content yeah. offers. So add a content offer, could be a quick start guide to starting with an IT support company, those kinds of things. Uh, research common problems and write blog posts that answer the problems but with a low-sell next-step offer, e.g. how to set up antivirus for your entire company, those kinds of things. Yep. So then you're at least getting their names, putting them into a nurture, add slide-ins to all blog posts, uh, tailored based on blog post topics. So I think some of the posts I saw were quite good. They were top of the funnel, answering questions. Others were very much about decision stage, so your lead flow there would be different. Yep uh retarget visitors with banners so this is when they leave the site retarget them but also based on that journey so if they're at the top of the funnel you might retarget with banners that are around a common problem whereas if they've actually filled out that quote yes. calculator yep. they're interested so then you might retarget with things like case studies or proof statements for those kinds of things yep. consider other content formats i thought this might be a good one webinars because they didn't have any of that any video that I saw on the site, so webinars might be a good one. That, again, is a conversion piece. Sign up for a webinar. You know, how to plan your company's backup strategy. Test offering a case study as a gated download. Now, case studies quite often and brochures are quite often just free. They didn't actually have any case studies on their site that I could yeah. see. So why right. not? I thought, why not test that case yeah. study? And by case study, I'm not talking about just brochure. Here's how good we are. But here's how a company solved a problem. Yeah. And at that point, I actually think in the mindset of when you're looking for an IT services company, you actually are more inclined to look for a case study on how other companies solved a problem. Yeah. It's a particularly, you know, it's a really, it's a real pain-oriented thing. I want to yeah. solve pain. Um, number nine: uh, test other channels, e.g., Facebook lead formats. Now, even though this isn't on the site, I actually thought it's a conversion point. It's a conversion point. Yeah. Yes. While they're on Facebook, and I just. Like they don't have any social presence, which I thought was interesting. Maybe that's just because, you know, they hadn't got around to it. The stuff they did do, they did really well. So they haven't spread themselves too thin, I will say about that. The site is very good. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, there's opportunities in other channels to get a conversion in. Um, And then number 10, try other calculators because people like calculators, I Mm. think, um, but not so much for cost. Maybe it's more top of the awareness tools. How many licences do I need? This is quite often the case. Uh, with it i find it's like well how many licenses do i need you know because a lot of companies have this oh there's a work license that covers a home device as well and yeah right you kind of get confused how many it's no longer just one for every device it's you get these packs and those kinds of little calculators at the top yes where you need an email to you know send me the result i think that's a nice conversion point so it was the 10 and number 11 my
0: bonus You offer a free SSL install for (laughs) new customers. There we go. Well, that was good, Craig. Thank you for those top 10. I know you you took some time to get through it today with a few pit stops. All right, podcast of the week, Craig. So Inbound Buzz and our good friend, Moby, he talks in episode 56, where he warns about the dangers of marketers' hunch.
1: I love this interview uh, because every second episode is an interview with a marketing leader. And so we're, we're linking out to his two latest ones. But, yeah, the, a week ago, it, it, I just really like this term, marketer's hunch, yes, which is this trap that we often fall into, whereas marketers, we think we know what we should be writing a case yes. st- a, a, an ebook about or advertising or keywords we're chasing. he's yep. like, well, no, you've actually got to go to your sales team or the customer service team and say, what are the questions you're getting? And quite often that informs you much more than your hunch would, so avoid marketer's hunch, the trap.
0: Yeah. And I was talking to this about you. I think the key thing is when we're now talking to a lot of businesses is if they've got people in sales all around Australia, I actually want to have conversations with all the people in each of those states that actually head up sales and actually find out what people are asking them and what they find out on their travels, talking to customers, because I think that is a massive insight into how people are interacting with other people in the business, especially in sales. It's
1: a really good point. And, you know, for marketing managers listening to this, it's actually easier for us as agencies to say that because we know nothing about your business. So we actually do go in and we say, oh, well, let's talk to us As a marketer, if you've worked in that company, it's often harder to get out of that trap because you kind of think, well, I know the business. Actually, it's harder for you to actually say, well, hang on, I've got to go and ask the different yeah. sales teams, especially, as you say, if they're in other cities. Yeah. You're probably chatting with the local totally. team. But, yeah, you've got to find out the other offices and what their problems are.
0: You know, when I did some work for a home improvement company, I actually, they were at a home show in Sydney and I spent a whole day on the floor selling stuff with their sales team, which were their fitters in essence. But I spent a whole day at the home show talking about products, talking to other people, customers about products. And I actually learned a lot from the questions people asked. If I didn't know the answer, I obviously got someone who was more specialized in that product because there were like hundreds of different products in their product range. But it was really eye-opening to me to see the interaction that I had with people. And as I wasn't one of the people in the team, oh, well, I guess I was in the team. But from a totally perspective of here was I trying to market these products on through their website to generate leads. And these are the guys who are fitting them on a day-to-day basis. So, Yeah, yeah that's good funny.
1: point. And, you know, you you were telling me something earlier, which I just remembered, where you said you actually monitor... The lead notifications that come in because you notice for one of your customers that quite often the questions coming in were, oh, can I I get a data sheet for this? But, of course, marketing, they they never actually analyzed the leads coming in that would just flick straight through to sales or it's just in a database. But just by taking the time to read those questions, you actually got a really good insight We're able to help them with a bit of a marketing strategy around providing data sheets and, you know, making that much more visible.
0: Yeah, because I reckon they're probably employing somebody to sit there to send data sheets all day. <laughs> That's right. All right, on to our resource of the week, Craig. What is it? Google Trends. You know, it's a little while since
1: I've been into Google Trends. You highlighted this. I can't believe it. it's almost in
0: real time now. Yes. And so what were the up-to-hour trends you found today, Craig? Oh, what were we looking at? I think there was something about Burt Newton. Burt Newton, yes. Important information Yeah, pneumonia or something.
1: Yeah, I hope you're getting... Better, Bert. For American listeners, Bert knew a bit of an Australian icon, he actually. Is. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they're just regular happy. And it just really reminds me of that whole Facebook trends on yes, the top correct. right, I think, in the sidebar if you're on the desktop. Yeah, it's like what's what are people talking about? And Google's – because we were
0: looking at it, it was like, oh, it's up to this hour of today By the is hour, what yes. people are
1: searching for. So yep. really useful information.
0: Yeah. So you th- I think this is a great one to use to figure out what's happening over time, what, what topics are actually people are talking about. So if you're thinking about newsjacking, as some would say, use this tool to find out what's popular in your part of the country or in your, in your state, down to a state level, in fact. So what was really interesting, when you were looking at this trend to do with Bert Newton, I think, I noticed actually, I think in Victoria was the highest concentration of people who were interested, and it obviously burned around the country, which, which I thought was rather interesting. All right, on our quote of the week, Craig. This is from a book you're reading, Tony Robbins, or Anthony Robbins. Some people are experts on post-traumatic stress. I aim to be an expert on post-traumatic growth. Yeah, look, I love this quote, and uh,
1: totally not related to marketing or anything. And, you know, if, if you'd asked me a couple of years ago about Anthony Robbins, and I think he wants to be called Tony Robbins these days. Oh, really? Yeah, I think he's I'm not sure why, but um, I would have said, first I would have made fun of him. Yes. Then I would have made fun of anyone that, went to, to or read, read one of his books right because i think i think it is there's a time and a place for everything right but lately i've actually really enjoyed reading his books yes. and uh i get a lot of value out of them so i'm not sure why i mentioned this except to say if you've heard, well
0: if i know you've you've said heard, you said you enjoyed heard,
1: it if you've heard that quote and dismissed tony robbins maybe give him another chance i don't know maybe not
0: and i guess over time he has matured and he has grown so i was I was pleasantly surprised
1: yeah um yeah, I quite like him. And I saw this Netflix documentary on him last year, I think. Yes, called, you did. I, I, I am not you your t- guru. Yeah. yeah, I'm not your guru. And it's kind of a behind the scenes look at the guy. Yeah. And yeah, there's, you know, some things not to like, but there's lots to like. Yeah.
0: All right. And finally, on to our random thought of the week, Craig. And this is by Seth Godin. And this is one of his latest blog posts. It says three simple and difficult steps. Get smarter. Learn something new and difficult and valuable. Learn it today and continue to learn it tomorrow. Solve interesting problems. Ignaz semmelsweis saw the same problem that others saw, but he took responsibility and solved it. Now, this is a, this is a link to an article. So have a read of it. It's, you
1: must read this. It's a 10-minute read, but it's wonderful.
0: Read that. And then he, then um, Seth says, care more. This takes guts because it means you'll have to do something. If you can invest in these three assets... What happens to your leverage, your value, and your choices? There are people who then who cut corners better than you, work more hours than you, and certainly work cheaper than you. But what would happen if you became the person who was smarter, better at solving problems, and cared the most? And there endeth <laughs> the blog. I love Seth. All right, guys. That's it for another week. Please join us on our WhatsApp group and on our Facebook group. And if you've got any pressing questions, please share it in the Facebook group that we have. We had, had a good question about lead flows in, in the group this week. So, yeah, yeah, thanks for that. So let's keep it vibrant and happening. And if you've got any creative top 10s you want to see happen, let us know every Monday and we will flex our muscles, Craig, and try and answer Puny those those <laughs> though those muscles are. We want to grow them. <laughs> All right. Until next week, Craig.
1: Catch you later, Ian. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hub Shots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.